Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, fresh off of a week in Indianapolis. Great show today. Uh, Coming up at 5 o'clock, we've got Sam Farmer, the Hall of Fame NFL columnist from the Los Angeles Times to make sense of the the draft free agency, which is imminent just uh, basically a week away before we get started on – on figuring out what the Raiders are going to do to improve, what the rest of the NFL is going to do, what their where's Aaron Rodgers going to go, uh, all types of that stuff. Uh, Sam's going to be in the huddle at five o'clock to talk about it, and then also at five thirty, our great friend over at the Las Vegas Review Journal and Vegas Nation, Sam Gordon, will be joining us at five thirty. Um, Yes, I am back in Las Vegas. Happy to be there. By the way, nothing against Indianapolis. I love Indianapolis. It's a great place to visit. But all this talk about Oh, the combine has got to stay in Indianapolis. It has to. This is the greatest place on the face of the earth for the combine. Enough already. Indianapolis is great. It's fun going to the combine there. They have everything. It's all situated really well. It's not the only city that can host the NFL scouting combine. Give some other cities a chance. Green Bay, not Green Bay, but Los Angeles, Las Vegas. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely other places to have the combine. Um, just because it's been there for the last X amount of years doesn't mean that it's the only place that could host that, Devon. Why do these other places need the combine? I think we always talk about, oh, players giving them nothing to do. I feel like the some of the gravitas of the combine would lose it would lose it. If team if it moves out of Indianapolis because you want to like oh you have like player you have people talking people like yourself oh you can run into a GM just at the bar or at the hotel you can do the same thing no in other you're cities. not because everyone's going to be so spaced out if it's in L A Vegas I get it because everything would be centered on the strip but if you move it to L A you lose some of that like oh I ran into so and so was talking to so and so this is just you just got to know where to go you just have to know the right places to go and then, hey, it, man, it all wherever they put it, it up. The play, hey, everybody wants to talk about the players getting in trouble. You don't have options in Indianapolis. What? There's some really great oh, places no, to go. Oh, calm down. That, and trust me when I say this, those guys are so tuckered out. There's no time for them to be messing around. I mean that. Hey, they man, are from in LA. Even there, even there, they are uh, on a on a uh, on a schedule from morning, noon, and night. The last thing that they want to do at that point is go out. I shared. Uh, on my on my uh, plane ride back, cutting through Dallas, uh, a bunch of the guys from the uh, from the combine, the defensive line or offensive, yeah, defensive linemen, um, were on my plane. These guys were like uh, falling asleep at the uh, at the gate. That's how tired that they were. They were. I wouldn't worry about that necessarily. And it's a great place to have it. But let's see where else, what other cities uh, could also host it. It's not. Um, I think we're getting a little too far uh, ahead of ourselves saying that that's the only place. Oh, my gosh. Indianapolis. I want to see what it's like here in Las Vegas. I want to see maybe in Dallas. They've got great facilities in Dallas as well. So and great places to go to hang out. Uh, that's just my two cents. I've been going there a long time. It is a great event. Las Vegas is a great or uh, Indianapolis is a great city. Uh, but let's not act like that's the only city that can host a big event like that. Uh, OK, so it's official. The NFL salary cap is now at two, or it's going to be 
$208 million, $0.7 million for the 2022 season. That's an increase of $25 million. We're kind of back uh, on that track where, remember, last year was the first year ever that the salary cap actually went down rather than growing. The salary cap always grows. What's the salary cap? The salary cap is all the revenue that the NFL generates from the previous season. So this $208.7 million is predicated on the revenue that was earned in 2021. Once all of the calculations are made, and by the way, that does include the money that the NFL is generating now from gambling and uh, gambling um, you know, uh, affiliates. Obviously, they're not actually gambling. They are partnering with gambling and all that stuff. All of the advertising and sponsorship, all of that goes gets thrown in the uh, in this big, huge pot that the NFL and the players split up. All right, so forty eight point five percent, forty nine percent, maybe uh, of that revenue goes to the players. That gets split up amongst thirty two teams. That's what the salary cap becomes. So two hundred eight million, two hundred eight point seven million dollars is all is forty nine percent or whatever that percentage is that the players gets close to it divided by 32. That's how it's all established. So real quick on that, I'm seeing a lot of, oh, Calvin Ridley, the NFL makes all of this money, Calvin Ridley, and, the, and the players can't partake in the game. Of course players can't partake. Neither can owners, coaches, officials, trainers, staff members, front office people. It's obvious that you can't have somebody that's directly involved in the game actually be able to bet on the game. How stupid can people be to actually think that that would be okay? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, number one. Number two, to say that players aren't benefiting from the relationships with gambling now is ludicrous. I just explained to you how salary caps work. I think in 2019, that revenue was supposed to create another $200 million of revenue for the NFL. The NFL doesn't just keep that money. It throws that money into the revenue bin, and then it gets split up amongst the players. So Calvin Ridley and his $1,500 that he bet on a game, which – I'm not saying this happened, but how do we know that it doesn't happen? This is why you can't do this. What if Calvin Ridley called Matt Ryan and said, hey, you know, uh, throw a pick on or, or, or a pick. Do something to help me win this bet. I'm not saying he didn't, and he probably didn't do it. I hope anyway. But when you will allow players to actually bet on games, that's what you're opening yourself up to. Let's get some common sense. And I'm actually kind of pointing a finger over at Mike Florio in pro football. Uh, what is it? Pro football talk. He came out with a tweet today, just not long ago, talking about the hypocrisy and not letting players be able to benefit. Players are benefiting through the salary cap. Coaches, front office executives, all those people that aren't allowed to bet too for obvious reasons, they're not benefiting from any of the extra money that's coming in. It's the players and the owners. So just some common sense. It doesn't mean that players can't go bet on other games in other sports. They're free to do whatever they want. They're free to go to the casinos if they want when they're in town. They just can't bet on their own sport for obvious reasons because they have a direct involvement in it. Let's just grab some common sense at some point. So the salary cap is now $208 million, $0.7 million, uh, $25 million increase from last year. Last year it went down by, I think, $15 million, and it threw everything out of whack. Uh, the Raiders have the 15th most money to spend under the cap, just over $20 million in cap space. Uh, however, there's a little bit of time now between now and the opening of the league year uh, next week to create even more if the Raiders so choose to do so. But from what I understand, just talking to some Raiders people, um, 
the salary cap is important. It truly is, and it and everybody has to adhere to it. But there's ways to manage the salary cap. Uh, it gets really complicated when you're talking about cash and bonuses and salary um, salary bonuses and signing bonuses and all the thing that you all the stuff that you sort of pay up front uh, to be able to work around it and manage it. Now, every dollar that you spend has to be accounted for at some point under the salary cap. Uh, so it's not like you're just completely circumventing it to do whatever you want. You have to pay the fiddler, and I'm talking about the the, the cap, at some point. It, ha- you know, it, it, is, it, it has an effect on wh- how you can do business, but it's usually not as bad as people make it out to be. So uh, the Raiders at this point have... Uh, enough money to do what they need to do. And that's the question of the day. What is it that the Raiders have to do in free agency? We'll talk about the draft today and obviously as it gets closer. Uh, talking to Dave Ziegler, the new general manager over the week in Indianapolis, um, it sounds like the philosophy for the draft is to draft best players available and just populate the roster with as many good players as as, as possible Positions obviously have some importance, but they're not the end-all, be-all, not in the draft. They want to create depth. They want to create competition. That leads me to believe that needs, needs, specific needs at specific positions will usually be addressed or try to be addressed more so in free agency. So that's the question of the day. I know that there are some obvious holes that the Raiders on paper uh, have to figure out wide receiver, figuring out a long-term solution for Henry Ruggs, um, and that loss. Offensive line, it looks like I think Alex Leatherwood, talking to Q about this uh, on, on Friday, Q Myers, our great friend, um, I think he's going to stay at guard as well. And so it opens the need at right tackle. Brennan Parker is going into his free agency. I don't expect him to be back. Uh, And if he is, definitely not as a starter. Shouldn't be anyway. Uh, So there's a need at right tackle. I think that at some point they got to also address left tackle. I think John Simpson played reasonably well last year. But remember, it was a... It, that wasn't the plan. The plan was for Richie Incognito to be uh, the starting um, uh, left guard, but he goes down in training camp, so John Simpson has to play. He played okay, but that's an area that I think the Raiders can either create some competition or an upgrade. Um, and so that's that's an area, I think, of, of, of a little bit needs some addressing. So on the offensive line, to me, the only certain things right now are Andre James at center, Colton Miller at right tackle, or excuse me, left tackle, and probably Alex Leatherwood at left guard, at right guard. So right tackle, left guard, free agency, draft. I would think that in free, you know, I would not be surprised if two offensive linemen, maybe even three, uh, are brought in via free agency uh, to, to to some extent. Wide receiver. Do the Raiders go to free agency for wide receiver? Or is that a position you can wait on uh, in the draft? I think trade, free agency, I think we'll see the Raiders make some moves uh, at, that, uh, at, at that position. I think the defensive line um, right now with the way things are constructed, I counted, I think there's only five returners uh, that, are, that are coming back that are under contract for 2022. No Solomon Thomas, no Clinton Jefferson, no Jonathan Hankins, no Darius Phylon. As of right now, all four are open to be re-signed. All four are open to move on and sign someplace else. 
What do you do at defensive line? What's the plan at defensive line with the new defensive coordinator? By the way, uh, we just got uh, official Raiders announcement on some uh, 2020 coaching uh, additions. Most of these we've already reported, uh, but let's just run through it because the Raiders have now put it out there on a press release um, on who is coming, who's staying, uh, who's who they've brought in. Uh, so let's just go right down the list. Patrick Graham is the new defensive coordinator. Chris Ash is the new defensive backs coach. Matt Feeney is the new defensive quality control coach. Frank Oakham is the new defensive line coach. Antonio Pierce is the new linebackers coach. Bob Ryan, as we've reported, is now the senior defensive assistant. Jason Simmons is the defensive backs coach plus pass game coordinator. Mick Lombardi is the new offensive coordinator. Edgar Bennett remains as the wide receivers coach. Carmen Brasillo is the new offensive line coach. Cameron Clemens is the new assistant offensive line. Or no, he remains. uh, He's a holdover from um, last year, assistant offensive line coach. Bo Hardegree is the new quarterbacks coach. Kennedy Palam, uh, Palomalu is the new running backs coach. Jerry Suplinski is the new senior offensive assistant. Mitch Singler today came on as offensive quality control, uh, as did Matt Feeney. Uh, Tom McMahon is the special teams coordinator. Maurice Drayton is the assistant special teams coach. Uh, that's a new name. Matt Sheldon is the director of football research and strategy. AJ Nebel is the head coach, is the head strength and conditioning coach. Um, DeAnthony uh, Batiste is the strength and conditioning coach. Here's some good news: Deuce Gruden is back as a strength and conditioning assistant. Really Deuce. like that. Really like that. Uh, Rick Slate is the uh, strength and conditioning assistant coach. Uh, so we have bios and all the uh, all the new coaches. Uh, that's quite the staff. I still don't see a tight ends coach, so that uh, remains um, you know uh, out there to be filled. Uh, there will be other coaches brought in as as well as assistants. You know, assistant running backs coach, assistant wide receivers coach. Uh, teams usually do that, but that's the uh, finally anyway. The the Raiders have have officially announced. Most of uh, these coaching additions that we had already reported, but it's nice to see that uh, all the uh, T's were crossed and I's were dotted. Um, and so there you go. If you have any questions uh, about the new uh, offensive line or the or the new coaching staff period, uh, please give us a call. Uh, we would love to talk about it. And uh, there's some names that we assumed were going to be there. There's some new names that uh, just came on today, uh, but it's all kind of coming together and. Uh, Rightfully so. By the way, if you want to call us up, 702-365-9200. The new league year starts next week, you guys. Didn't it seem just like yesterday? We were recapping the season. The Raiders had just lost lost a heartbreaking game in Cincinnati on the road uh, in the first round of the playoffs to the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. A play, they were a play away from uh, pushing that game into overtime. That's how close things are. You know, I was talking to somebody um, affiliated with the Chargers, and we were talking about them. And who knows what kind of a – you know, it's crazy. Football is crazy right now. Um, And I think the Bengals proved that. They had a a quarterback that got on a roll uh, with some new, just great weapons, a defense that started kind of coming into his own a little bit, some great – breaks along the way but the next thing you know something that nobody predicted at all no one saw coming at all they got to the super bowl you know and it, and it, it it shows you that just getting there getting to the playoffs 
gives you the opportunity because you never know. The Raiders are proof of that. They've won a Super Bowl being the wild card team. They won a Super Bowl. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles and were a wild card team. I think if we go back and look, I think they lost to the San Diego Chargers, the AFC West champions, twice that year. But they beat them in the NFC champion or the AFC championship game. It just goes to show you. And just getting back to the Chargers, they felt so good about where they were. But they blew it at the end. And they opened a massive door for the Raiders for themselves to get into the playoffs. Remember, the the Chargers realistically should have beaten the Chiefs. But they got a little bit arrogant in how they approached some fourth down situations and cost themselves points that would have won that game. And that opened the door for the Raiders the following week, still kind of drunk off the loss from, um, you know, against the, uh, against the Chiefs. They lose to the Houston Texans, and that opened up the hugest of doors for the Raiders to get on their roll to win four straight games, including beating the Chargers in an epic battle uh, over at Allegiant Stadium to seal the deal. And I can say this is why it's so disappointing. The people that I was talking to, we're talking to, affiliated with the with the Chargers, they blew it. They it was they they self imploded by their own decision making and cost themselves a chance. Who knows? Maybe they would have been the Cincinnati Bengals, right? It 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 you you have to seize the moment when the moment is there, and that's what the Raiders did, and they darn near. Did something special themselves. Who knows what would happen uh, had the Raiders won that game against the uh, against the Bengals and then gone to they would have gone to Tennessee, I think, as well. We were we've always talked about the Tennessee Titans as eh, you know they're they're okay. They weren't there's there's nothing that screams oh my gosh unbeatable Tennessee Titans. It's why the Bengals. Went in there and beat them because they weren't beatable, unbeatable. They were the number one seed, okay? I don't care about that. They were, they were the good. number one it seed. Got them, it got them a one and done, so good for them. Sack Joe Burrow nine times. Derek Carr isn't lasting if he gets sacked nine times. Uh, well, I, who knows if that would – I don't know if that would have been the case against the uh, against the Raiders against the, with the Titans. That, that was, it, was a bad offensive, it was a bad offensive line uh, that the Bengals were playing with. So the point is there was nothing about the Titans that – scared you to death like you weren't that wasn't like the 85 bears or you know one of the great 49ers teams or you know it wasn't it was they were number one seed they earned it I'm not gonna deny they didn't earn it but there were always some questions about them they weren't one of the traditional tremendous number one seeds and then the Kansas City Chiefs were vulnerable they had been vulnerable all year there was they just swung from great to bad to great to bad to great to bad, or or good. I, they weren't even great. I never would. I, there, there wasn't a period of time for the Kansas City Chiefs last year where they were great. They were good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. And then even in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals, they were good and bad. They were good to start off. Got off to what a twenty to three lead. Then they got bad again, and the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, were able to beat them uh, with a kick to end the game. All I'm saying is you get to the playoffs, especially now where parity is so uh, – things are so close in the NFL. We see that on a week-to-week basis. It's the little things. It's the attention to details. And then getting a little bit of luck. Everybody has to have a little bit of luck. I guess what I'm saying is just get there, and the Raiders just got there. I think the goal now for the Raiders 
is not just to get there, but to put themselves in the best possible position to seize that opportunity. I think they're close. The question is, what do they need to do from next week to April, what, 30th, the end of the draft? What do the Raiders need to do from next week to late April, the time that's afforded them to improve their roster personnel-wise? Then we'll get into all the coaching and all that kind of stuff, what they do schematically and how they use the new players and the current players. What do the Raiders have to do between next week and late April to put themselves in a position to not just get to the playoffs, but win in the playoffs. Give us a call, 702-365-9200. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Well, in terms of what we're looking for in the draft, free agency, the, the really the entire team, I would say what we're looking to do to do is build depth and competition. Like that's really, I think, a really important part of team building. Um, when you have competition through the top of your roster, through the bottom of your roster, and people are being pushed, um, like that's really uh, the focus. And I think when you build depth and competition throughout your team, you're naturally going to um, build position groups that have strengths um, that benefit, whether it's the quarterback, the offensive line, the running backs, right? A pass rush benefits the corners, corners benefit a pass rush. So like all those different things fit together. So our focus is about building depth and competition like throughout the team. And that's, that's, that is the focus. That's Raiders general manager, Dave Ziegler uh, talking about, the philosophy, mostly in the draft, but uh, he also mentioned free agency. Um, you know, in, in both, uh, you use both tools, you know, filling needs, but also, as he said, just creating depth and creating competition. Uh, I think that, you know, as the Raiders sort of continue to add on to what they've built, and they, they've done a nice job in some areas. Um, there's some areas obviously that they missed. I wrote about this in the Las Vegas review journal over the weekend, uh, talking to, you know, Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels and, and maybe how this approach might work a little bit differently than the, than the previous, uh, regime with John Gruden and Mike Mayock. I just feel like the synergy and the chemistry that, um, is already built in to this new power tandem and, and throw in champ Kelly, uh, in there as well, because all three, uh, of those um, uh, new additions have a working relationship and a previous relationship, just personal relationship as well. So it's not like they're going to get here and they got to feel each other out, try to figure how do you talk, how do you see things, uh, what's your dialogue, um, how do you articulate certain needs, certain, um, you know, in your player evaluations, how do you grade your What's the? How do you look at things? Your strengths and weaknesses and skill sets and, and all those type of things that you're, um, you know, utilizing to gauge players in order to put yourself in the best position to make solid decisions. All of that has already been done. All of that already exists. And I think the, you know, um, there's there's room for argument, but I think that chemistry that they already have and the relationships that they already have leads to an easier path to amicable um, resolutions. And, uh, you know, you might disagree. That's fine. That's healthy, actually. 
But at the end of the day, because there's already synergy and chemistry and respect and personal relationships, it guides you and should them um, to, to easier path to resolutions on whatever the disagreements might be, which ultimately lead to the best possible decisions. And I think in their case, they're on the same page in how they're approaching this offseason. Uh, I think they have a pretty good handle now on what this roster looks like. Uh, remember, when they got here a month ago or a month and a half ago, um, they were just learning this roster. Well, uh, they've been at it big time with this new coaching staff, the new staff, um, everybody that's been involved in just grinding it out to figure out where they are. Where does this roster stand right now? And what are the improvements that are needed, whether it's frontline players or creating depth uh, or whatever the case might be? And uh, I just think talking to these guys and kind of seeing how they operate, um, I think they're set up to make better decisions and uh, decisions that are kind of brought about by a consensus. They're going to talk things out. They're going to argue things out. They're going to, you know, there will be disagreements. But I think at the end of the day, all of that process, that entire process is going to lead to better decisions. But we shall see. And they have some big ones coming up. And they start literally in about a week or so uh, when free agency, um, you know, lines up. And we're going to figure out pretty quickly how aggressive that they're going to be, um, what some of their priorities are, um, what some of their philosophies are. And it's just literally right around the corner. And I am I can't wait. I can't wait to see how all of this unfolds. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Fargo Raider is on the line. How you doing, Fargo Raider? Pretty good. How about yourself, Vinny? Thank you for taking my call. I'm good. Thank you. Um. So I actually wanted to address your question of uh, where what we need to improve if we want to, you know, have a better product on the field. I think we need to uh, address the right side of the line. Um, it, while it's good that they kicked Alex Leatherwood in to kind of mitigate his flaws in his first year, I understand he's a rookie, but that right tackle position was also a nightmare. Whenever we saw a flag go on the field and it was near our uh, line of scrimmage, I feel like I'm safe in saying that the majority of Raider Nation was either thinking number 70 or number 75. So I think going forward, if we want to have a real shot at making runs in the playoffs, we're going to have to find guys that fit what you know, the new Raider way is going to be and that can give us continuity on that right side of the line with Colton Miller on the left, um, you know, whether you plug in Simpson or Good as the left guard, they're pretty well in good hands with, with Miller. Um, and I think it would also be prudent for us to bring back Nick Martin to back up Andre James. I'm, I'm not too confident on the third guy. I can't even remember his name. And the project that we had, um, was taken off our hands from the practice squad. So I think I believe that we need to address the line first in order to have a, a good product. They know we got to keep our quarterback upright, and we need to be able to run the ball consistently throughout the year, which I feel like was a problem at times for us last season. Yeah. Thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the call, uh, Fargo. Uh, and I'm with you. I think the offensive line is paramount. Um, and like you said, the right side of the offensive line. Um, I, I think 
that the Raiders are going to really have to trust their instincts and and coaching and um, you know and just trust Alex Leatherwood uh, that he's going to do the right thing this off season to really put himself in a position to take a big step forward uh, in year two. It's not unusual for that to happen with offensive linemen and. Um, they, 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 yes, there's definitely cases where guys step on the field immediately and are, are, are very good. We've seen that, um, the last couple of years, uh, you know, but it wasn't the case with Alex and that's not unusual whatsoever. Um, you know, you're going to have a growth, you're going to have a development, uh, phase, you're going to have uh, you know, maturity that needs to happen. And, you know, I, I wrote this too over the weekend, look, Alex Leatherwood went from left tackle at Alabama to right tackle in the NFL back to right guard or to right guard all within a calendar year all within 12 months right or left tackle right tackle right guard that's a lot of disruption that's a lot of change for anybody let alone a rookie that's trying to find uh, his way in the NFL and i think that um you know what what's probably best for him is just to settle down at right guard, let that be the position, and master that. Now, as Josh, you know, McDaniel said, and also Dave Ziegler, look, here's a guy that played 1,100 snaps last year as a rookie. That, in and of itself, is a positive. That is an enormous body of work uh, to be able to look at, experience from, uh, uh, grow from, uh, look, look back and say, okay, what worked, what didn't work, uh, what were the issues that need to be ironed out, what are the strengths to build on? Uh, so there's a body of work there, primarily at right guard, uh, although there were you know four games also at, at, at right tackle um, that not only the new staff can look at and Carmen Brasillo, the new offensive line, can look at, but also Leatherwood. Uh, and, you know... You, he, he, he seems like a guy uh, that's really conscientious. Um, that was one of the, uh, you know, one of the descriptions of him coming out of college. He's a work. He has a great work ethic. He's smart. He wants it. He plays. He showed that last year. He was on the field every single game. That also is a big thing, um, you know, and, and, and bodes well. So I think, though, for him to just to kind of settle down at one position and kind of master that he has the skill set, he has all the attributes that you're looking for. He just needs to play, as we talked about, a little bit less anxiously on the illegal procedures, um, and just be able to to kind of master that position. And I think the right tackle is should be anyway, uh, probably will be a veteran. Get some veteran leadership to the right of Alex Leatherwood. Uh, two veteran tackles. A youngster in Alex Leatherwood at right guard, Andre James, who I think is a is an ascending player. He showed enough last year um, uh, to 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 make it look like you know he's he's headed in the right direction. I would think that Alex Leatherwood could take a similar step in his second year. The question that I have is, you know, John Simpson now at left guard, and what do you do at that position? Uh, Fargo mentioned a name that I think we all sort of forget about sometimes, and that's Denzel Good. He's the guy that was supposed to play right tackle. He was going to be in between uh, Andre James and Alex Leatherwood, kind of the perfect player to have in that position to help settle things down between two young players. It never came to fruition. Um, and obviously, Al- or uh, uh, Richie Incognito, same exact situation happened over on the left side uh, with that veteran uh, uh, guard due to injuries. But 
Denzel Good is still under contract as of re- <laughs> you know as of right now. Is that somebody that the Raiders hold on to and plug in as a starter, or maybe is he a super sub? Is he a guy that returns to what his former role was a couple of years ago, just as a guy that can cover you at both guard positions and really both tackle positions as well? Is that his position? Or, again, is it as one of the starters? And maybe it will, it will come to that, but uh, it's a little bit of an ace in, a hole, in the hole that the, that the Raiders have in Denzel Good. Um, I just don't know right now where he is in terms of his rehabilitation. The good news is, you know, in his injury and in his case, it was the first game of the year. So um, that gives him – that it, it's advantageous now looking back that it happened then – because it's given him a whole lot of time and it will give him a whole lot of time to get right before training camp, maybe even OTAs. And it'll be interesting to see where he is physically. If he's still on the roster, uh, there's a lot of decisions to make. I'm not saying that the Raiders are thinking about, um, you know, uh, uh, cutting him. Um, I have seen that, you know, bandied about uh, in some in some publications. Hey, maybe uh, that's a, uh, a place to look to create some salary cap. Maybe that's the direction that the Raiders take. Um by the way, uh, some interesting news today. Uh, forgot to get to this in the in the first segment, but Kyle Van Noy, the linebacker from the New England Patriots, gets released today. Obvious connections between um, the veteran linebacker and the new staff, Dave Ziegler, the new general manager. Uh, is that a player that the Raiders might be interested in? Uh, he knows the system. He can still play. This guy earned uh, an above 80 pass uh, coverage grade last year. You know, he's an outside linebacker, and we think of him as an outside linebacker, and he did have five sacks last year. But he also has shown that he could drop back uh, in pass coverage and and be a a jack-of-all-trades in in that area. And that's something, an area where the Raiders have really struggled as far as their linebackers being able to uh, be credible uh, in pass coverage. So is that a spot that um, the Raiders will look to. And he's the kind of free agent that could sign anywhere at any time. He doesn't have to wait for the new league year to start. The Raiders, if they wanted to, uh, could go out and, um, and and sign him right now. That's the kind of category that Kyle Van Noy uh, is in. Would you be interested in Kyle Van Noy? I mean, he can still play. There's no question about it. Just go look at the stats in the film uh, from last year. Uh, is that a veteran that knows the system that the that the Raiders can bring in uh, to really help um, you know uh, expedite that process on the field and also to his new teammates? Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Mac is on the line. How you doing, Raider Mac? I'm doing good, Vinny. Hey, I just want to say thank you for um, all your updates. At um, at the at um, at the combine, and I just want to say thank you, man. That really helped out. I listen to listen to you every day, and I appreciate you. Thank you. You got it, man. Thank you. you. It, you've been a big asset coming from from the, uh, the Rams to us. I we really appreciate you. Hey, Vin, real quick. Uh, here's my issue. Um, you know, everybody's talking about this kid uh, Leatherwood, and I told them that that hey guys ripped on uh, these all these other people were ripping on and, and everybody ripped on Colt Miller his first year. I'm, I'm talking about bad. If you go, I still got the emails <laughs> that they was caught. I mean, they ripped this kid like no other. And I understand about that word, but a lot of it wasn't just him. 
It was Derek Carr, and the receivers couldn't get open some of the times. And Derek Carr held on to the ball too long. Yeah, the, the, the mistakes that he made was rookie stuff, and he got to clean up as far as jumping on sides and doing stuff like that. But he wasn't as bad as everybody, everybody, everybody saying he is. And, and I know you, you guys do that football focus. I mean, they're they good, but, and I know they watch the tape. They watch the NFL tape. They don't watch the regular tape like everybody else. Um, but my thing, Vinny, I, I, I just think we need to shore up the line. And the main thing is get a linebacker. We do not have a linebacker that, that's going to – I mean, I know Denzel is – I mean, uh, Perriman is a, is a pro bowler, but just because you're a pro bowler, I don't mean he's good. I mean, I think he's good, but he's not great. We need a young uh, linebacker. Did you see any – I'll let you go. Did you see any in the, from Georgia? Do you think we got a chance to get the kid from Georgia at linebacker? Um. You're gonna to have to refresh my name on the Georgia linebacker, um, but uh, but there's some. Walker. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think he will be there at 22. I'd have to look at, uh, you know, a lot changes after the scouting combine. Guys move up, guys move down, but uh, but I would think that he's going to be there uh, at 22. Do you do you uh, you know do you take a linebacker kind of that high? Um, uh, you know, uh, is he a three down linebacker? I'd have to look to see if he's a guy that you can safely say can play all three downs. Um, you know, or do you wait? Uh, there's there's depth at that position. Um, there's depth at defensive line too. I think building the defensive line um, is is paramount as well. You know, you you have to. We saw it. Remember? I, hey, I, I I'm guilty uh, as charged. I thought Corey Littleton was going to be a great signing for the Raiders. I saw him make plays with the Rams. You know, all over the field, but. You know, it helps when you have a guy like Aaron Donald down there on the on the defensive line. Now, I'm not saying that the Raiders, you know, it's it's hard to go find a Hall of Fame player, but they can improve uh, along the defensive line and make things easier for their linebackers. I thought they did a pretty good job, actually, of that this year. Uh, they got better in that regard. That's, to me, why guys like Denzel Perryman had a Pro Bowl season, because he was able to fly around. Uh, his issue was pass coverage. He's five foot eleven. It's going to be difficult for him uh, in in that area of the field. But I agree with you. I think linebacker has to be addressed one way or another. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. on a Monday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. Now back to your host, Vinny Monsignor. Yeah, so my if 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 I'm the Raiders, this is what I'm looking at uh, to start off with O line. I put cornerback in there because I just think that Case is probably going to leave. So cornerback, maybe even two. Um, I think you need some protection in case Trayvon Mullen. Um, you know, if the if the footing injury lingers into this year, and you just have to have protection. So maybe two cornerbacks. Wide receiver, defensive line. Defensive line, uh, it just has to be addressed because right now, whether it's bringing guys back or going out uh, and, and replacing guys, because as we mentioned earlier, Darius Phylon, Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins are all free agents as of next week. There's still time, obviously, and there will be a window uh, to bring some of those guys back. And I would imagine that some of those guys come back, but... You know, until we get a chance to talk to Patrick Graham, and we're hoping that that'll be the case this week at some point. 
what exactly is the plan at defensive line? What's the alignment going to look like? What is what is he looking for in terms of skill set? You know, a Solomon Thomas fit last year as a, uh, you know, on this defensive line in Gus Bradley's system. That's why they went out and got him. But does he fit in Patrick Graham's system? You know, and, and Dave Ziegler made, made this point really uh, well, I thought, last week when we talked to him. You know, anytime you make some subtractions, whether it's the front office or, you know, even on your roster, it doesn't, it's not, it shouldn't be taken as, well, those guys just can't do their job. It's not always that. It's maybe they just don't fit in what you're doing um, schematically on, on the football team itself. Or maybe in the front office, there's, you know, a duplication of uh, job responsibilities. So we don't really need that duplication here. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why, you know, uh, when you look at the, this Raiders roster on the defensive line, there's a lot of reasons why you can see guys fitting, but also you can see guys not fitting. And that's really why we kind of have to really talk to Patrick Graham to see what the vision is and what the philosophy is. Again, Josh McDaniels did mention when you're talking about your base defense, you're not in base. You're, you're probably playing base defense less than 20% of the time nowadays. It's match-up football. When I was a kid, you know, there's a reason why they would call them the purple people eaters, you know, and uh, those type of, uh, of, 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 you know, um, names for defenses because guys stayed on the field the entire time. You didn't have substitution and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you are going to, nowadays, you have six, seven different guys um, that, uh, that um, are playing on the defensive line. It's rotational. It's substitutional. It's matchup football. You're, you're trying to mitigate guys' snaps. Um, you're you're doing all these different things now that you didn't do back in the day. Um, so what fits, what doesn't fit, we don't know. We're not going to really know uh, until we get a chance to talk to uh, to Patrick Graham. But I would think some of those guys would be back, right? You have to imagine, like Solomon Thomas played well. I thought Quentin Jefferson played well. But who, we don't know. And so the defensive line to me is a sort of a hidden thing right now. It's hey Vinny, I got a question for you. Yeah. We've got on the Salmon Ash text line. Vinny, is Ruggs contract null and void now with the salary cap? Is what's uh, that? Um is 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 Henry Ruggs is his contract null and void is the terminology that the texter used. Uh, do you mean does it um does it count against the cap and all that kind of stuff? I don't is that what null and void means? Like well, he's, his, his 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 I'm sure let me hear uh uh let me um I'd have to look to see what because I think there is some still some dead money, but yeah, there was they they cut him and they released him, and um, you know, uh, so they there I'm sure there were some clauses in the contract too where they were able to get out from under what he was going to be owed. Uh, so I don't I'd have to look at that to be sure, but um, there's probably some carryover in terms of the dead cap, and uh, I'd have to check too, and we'll do this in the break whether Damon Arnett's um, you know, contract also uh, is affected in that way. Uh, but they don't owe him, I don't believe, uh, any any more money. I think he got the guaranteed por portions of his contract up to that point. And I think in both players' case, 
you know, obviously you can make a case for if there were stipulations in the contract, um, you know, and there usually are character clauses and things like that. I think both players obviously uh, would, would, unfortunately for them, um, and the whole situation uh, fit under that category. So, uh, I, but I do think there might be some minor uh, repercussions in terms of the dead cap uh, that that carries over, but minimally so. Um, and you know, you just think about that. Um, gosh, and I wrote about this, uh, Demon. You know, some of those decisions that were made, especially at the top of the draft, I think the Raiders were victims of reaching for need and. That's why I want to see if this is if, if what Dave Ziegler's talking about, um, if they hold true to that. I know that, look, it, it's, it's, I know it, the easy thing to say is we're just going to draft best player available. But at some point, you have to also be realistic. Like there's needs that have to be filled, and sometimes you have to reach to fill those needs. But I thought that the Raiders too often got caught overreaching uh, for positions. Rather than really taking the best player available, Clee Farrell wasn't the fourth best player in the draft in 2019. Damon Arnett wasn't the 19th best player in the draft in 2020. I think you can make a case that Henry Ruggs was the 12th best player uh, right there. And obviously the Raiders needed uh, a wide receiver. And there was no, no one was scratching their head over that draft pick. It didn't work out for different reasons. But Damon Arnett wasn't the 19th best player in the 2020 draft. He wasn't even the best let's face it, cornerback right at that point available at that draft. To me, at that point, the Raiders kind of reached for need, number one, and number two, overlooked a lot of things that other teams were seeing and the reasons that other teams viewed Damon Arnett as maybe a second-round pick or definitely a second-day pick. The Raiders kind of overlooked all that to not only reach for need but also draft a player that wasn't even the highest-ranked cornerback at that point in the draft. And then last year, I think, again, the Raiders needed a right tackle. We understand that. They had to trade Trent Brown. He wasn't working out. But to say that, you know, so that they, they reached to fill that need with Alex Leatherwood, and I don't think anybody believes that Alex Leatherwood was the 17th best player in the draft last year. That's what I think the Raiders need to avoid doing moving forward. And does Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels adhere to that philosophy and and sort of mindset, we're going to find out. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday.